0: this is Ellen Goldsmith, and welcome to Health Currents Radio. People walk, people run, and people take part in very extreme sporting events to raise awareness and money for causes. But most people do not think about rowing a boat across the Pacific Ocean, from San Francisco, California, to Honolulu, Hawaii, to raise awareness and funds about the harmful effects of sugar. Today, we're going to speak with a married couple who are testing all the limits by doing just that. Sami Inkinen and Meredith Loring are with us today. Meredith grew up as a competitive gymnast in New Hampshire, made her career in Wall Street until she migrated to California. She's also building a healthy packaged food company that has nothing to do with sugar in the spare time that she has while she's training to do this great expedition across the Pacific. Sami Inkinen was born and raised in Finland. He's a technology engineer and endurance athlete who is a triathlon world champion in his age group and multiple-time Hawaii Ironman finisher. He became pre-diabetic due to a very low-fat, high-carb regimen of eating, even in the midst of very intense athletic training. They spend their days now training, and I mean training hard, 8, 10, 12-hour days, rowing, building strength, running, taking ocean safety classes. And I cannot wait to find out what is going on and what is going to happen. Sami Inkinen and Meredith Loring, welcome to Health Currents Radio.
1: Thanks.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for having us here.
0: Well, I have to say this is probably the most extraordinary thing I have heard in a long time whose idea was this to row across the pacific ocean to bring awareness and raise funds about sugar
1: the idea to row specifically was sami's but you know we love doing big adventures like this and we kind of have built our life around raising awareness about the dangers of sugar and you know healthy eating habits and healthy exercise habits So it seemed like a good project to embark on, and I'm not one to say no to a big adventure.
2: Meredith blames me, but I say it was Meredith's idea, and happy wife, happy life, so I just decided to follow her lead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're both pointing the finger at each other.
2: got
0: it. Well, I mean, this is going to, this is really going to test your limits, not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, but, you know, they say if you want to really get to know somebody, you take a trip, but... This is really a test for your marriage as well, I would have to imagine.
2: Yeah, it's a good way to test whether the marriage was built to last. And I'm sure we'll find that out over the two months that we're going to be on the ocean and no way to escape each other (laughs) from the boat.
0: Well, you know, I wish you the best in that. I really do. I mean, you have to be pretty strong to together. Imagine doing this. So... I have to say, when I first heard about your expedition, my heart started racing. And excuse me if I ask this question, but I asked myself, are they crazy? This is the Pacific Ocean. And I never ask why, because I don't think it's very valuable, but I will now. Why are you taking on the Pacific o- Ocean to bring awareness to the problems of sugar? Couldn't you just run across the country or something?
1: We could run across the country, but for us, there's been kind of an escalation in our adventures. So we do quite a bit of running and cycling as it is, and we've had several adventures running and cycling and trucking, and we really wanted to push our own boundaries doing something that was entirely new for us that would really stretch us mentally and physically because we feel like it's the best kind of a growth opportunity that you could possibly have. And rowing is something that's completely new to both of us, so rowing the Pacific seemed like an appropriate challenge for our bodies and our minds.
2: (laughs) And the, the environment of a wild ocean, and neither one of us had really ever experienced that before. We aren't sailors. We aren't um, boat people. So that's kind of the last um, wild environment that we'd really love to explore and experience once. And I think that was part of the inspiration why we wanted to row the Pacific.
0: Well, you are taking part in the Great Pacific Race. Aren't you? This is this is not just you rowing across the ocean. Even though you're not going to be like side by side with other boats, is that correct?
2: Yes, it's true. This is the first year, 2014, uh, when there is actually a rowing race from California to Hawaii, and about a dozen boats will participate. Um, most of which are from outside of the United States, and we are the only team from California. But practically speaking. Most likely after the first 12 hours, everyone's on their own. Um, The ocean is so vast and the speed difference is quite significant. So from a personal perspective, we are really on our own and um, have to figure out how we get to the finish line.
0: So I just need to get the logistics out of the way because it's so extraordinary. So I mean, you say you're going on this trip unsupported, meaning you're carrying all your gear and all of your food for two months, correct?
1: That's right. So we'll have about a million calories of food on board, and we have a water desalinator, emergency water supplies, tools, basically everything that we think that we'll need for the two months that it'll take us to row across the Pacific.
0: And the food... What what about the food? I mean, you, you have to take dehydrated food. Uh, what Since you're moving, there's no sugar, there's no processed food on this trip. I mean, I know you don't want to reveal all the details, but just in general terms, what kinds of foods are you taking with you?
2: Yes. So as, as Meredith mentioned, we need food, a minimum for about two months. We'll be carrying food for about three months, which is a good million calories for us. And for the most part, it's single-ingredient foods. And what does that mean? Single-ingredient in that it's real whole foods, um, such as nuts, seeds, some dehydrated meat and meat fat, dehydrated fish. And uh, we've also tried to create different types of mixes from these single ingredients that would be palatable and also have the kind of shelf life that you need to be able to roll the Pacific under the sun and make sure that the food is still edible um, at the end of July or potentially end of August. Uh, but it's really real whole foods, um, reasonably high protein, very high fat, and very limited carbohydrates, and certainly zero sugar or processed carbohydrates.
0: Right. And will you have any fresh food? I mean, will you sprout anything? Will, you know? Just Is there any fresh food in this, or is it mostly dehydrated and dried? and
1: We're prepared to be eating dehydrated and dried food. We may try to do sprouting. Um, Some other people who have crossed oceans do sprouting. Mm -hmm. But we really are going to be very focused on just the rowing and the recovery. So we're mentally prepared to just eat the food that we're bringing on board with us.
0: I would imagine there's some strong personal aspect to this around the food. I mean, Sami, you you were facing pre-diabetes even though you were training so intensively uh, what what is the personal mission that you have besides the adventure part and the pushing your limits well for
2: me personally it was uh, kind of shocking to realize that there's someone who trains 10 plus hours a week of endurance sports and performs very well in triathlon and someone who thinks that he is eating very healthy which was to follow the guidance of low fat no cholesterol Uh, was actually feeling pretty ill, and my blood sugars were all over the place, as you mentioned. I was craving more and more food all the time, and I I, I felt that no amount of exercise can compensate my appetite, and I'm always struggling to keep my weight where it should be. Um, I I just felt disgusted that if me, someone who is training and exercising that much, can't stay healthy, what's happening to the average person, Uh, average person who may be walking a couple of times a week, and they're eating the same disgusting packaged foods that are infused with sugar and then labeled as health food because there's so little fat or so little cholesterol. So my, my goal is really to spread the word and try to help others realize that the food around us may actually not be very healthy for us. That's really my, my personal goal with this expedition. And it's been very exciting to see friends and acquaintances and strangers to send us emails and say, hey, I heard about your expedition, and now I've given up sugar for mm. a month or two months, so I'm trying it out, or I didn't know how dangerous sugar can be. So in our little way, it's been fun to see uh, already some very personal level impact on a bunch of people.
0: Getting some solidarity there from your community. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the thing? Usually it's a thing or it's, a, it's a, you know, a series of events that really helped you make the change.
1: I think if you're referring to the change of like changing our diet.
0: Yes. Changing the way you ate because that you, you know, all of a sudden you realize this isn't working for me. I'm not really healthy. Like I should be. And, and you, you know, how did you make that change? Where was, where was the help and support that you got in doing that?
1: I think so Sammy and I have kind of different backgrounds about how we, we came to be eating no sugar and low carbohydrate. Um, but for me, it was really based on feel. So, I had cut out sugars, dairy, processed carbohydrates, and starches back in, like, 2003 Mm -hmm. when I became a raw foodist, and I saw all kinds of amazing benefits to my health, like steady energy. I stopped getting sick, um, mental clarity, and then, you know, over the years, especially when I started getting more competitive athletically, I brought back some sugars like energy gels and carbohydrates into my diet because I was thinking that that's what I needed to have good performance. And I always felt terrible. I would leave Sami really ridiculous voicemails and emails when I was carb loading or when I had too many carbs in preparation for an event, just saying like how terrible I felt and that I didn't ever want to do it again. So for me, it was just like, I knew I felt totally different When I put these things in my body,
0: I think it's really helpful for our listeners. When you say you felt terrible, what was terrible? How did you feel?
1: I would get like a rapid heart rate. I would feel really hot. I wouldn't be able to focus. Um, I really felt like I was taking drugs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see studies out there now that are comparing, you know, sugar to cocaine with regard to how it how your brain reacts. Right. And I, I really felt like that because my body was not used to having those products inside of it. And when I took them, I, I really felt completely different.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: For, for me, it was quite different. Uh, for me, the change initially happened truly for endurance athletic performance reasons. Um, I was tested at the Stanford Human Performance Lab, and I found out that my body was a very efficient sugar-burning machine, which is really bad news for someone who tries to race in an event lasting five hours or even close to 10 hours because we all have very limited sugar stores in our muscles. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out how can, I start, how can I teach my body to burn more fat? And then more and more people started telling me that you should change your diet to include much more fat. And I was like, really? Are you telling me that an athlete should be eating fat be healthier and faster so that was the very initial change for me and in over the course of just a few months as i was tested again uh, i doubled my ability to use fat as an as a fuel source and we all no matter how lean we are basically have an almost unlimited fuel tank for exercising in in the form of fat so that was the initial for me and then i started researching and studying more and more of the sugar and carbohydrate impact on health uh, just on a daily basis and then it started a journey uh, for me to really reduce, pretty much throw sugar out of the window from my diet and uh, consequently most processed carbohydrates as well.
0: So Sami, when you said you are an efficient sugar burning machine, can you tell our listeners what that means?
2: Yeah, so um, I could hop on a bicycle and even at a very low effort level, my body started burning sugar and carbohydrates which is stored as a glycogen in the muscles, and stopped burning fat. So very little effort, whether it was running or cycling, I started burning sugars and carbohydrates. Yet I had a very efficient cardiovascular engine in that I was able to ride a bike very, very fast, but it was 100% carbohydrate and sugar fueled, which means you run out of that fuel very quickly because we have so limited fuel sources. And optimally, if you can use fat as an energy, well, you burn fat and you are not hungry. And then, two, you can exercise or race much, much, much longer at at the given pace.
0: Well, this is going against all the kind of public information that started getting out there. And I think it was the 80s when they were saying no fat, you know, more carbs, more et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why we thought the rowing race would be a good time to raise awareness because, you know, if we can row an ocean, you know, 2,400 miles, 60 days, around 60 days on no carbs or or limited carbs, no sugar, no processed carbs, then, you know, a normal person certainly can live their life that way.
0: Yeah, but you do have another element in there, which is the ocean, you know. currents and waves and storms and all kinds of things that go on how are you two preparing for that aspect
1: well we've had to take quite a few different trainings around safety navigation uh, and ocean survival so we feel like we've uh, prepared ourselves very well for what we're going to encounter out there and then I think the biggest thing is just having the mental fortitude to get through that kind of a grind
0: yeah, I I noticed on your website Sami and your bio it, it says use sisu not sugar. That's a fin- is that did I say it right or
2: had- Yeah, that's it's correct. Sisu, it's a it's a Finnish word that doesn't really have a direct translation in any other language, but it basically means something along, along the lines of determination and ability to just focus and push through any kind of adversity. Um so, yes, uh, most Finnish people think they carry a little bit of sisu in them. So no matter what you face, you can get over or through it.
0: That's fantastic. How, how are you feeling now just in terms of your, your energy output and your focus and all of that, that you have shifted your diet from higher carb to low carb and higher fat?
2: Uh, well, I personally feel fantastic. Um, and this obviously hasn't been a last two month or three month change. I've quite radically changed my diet over the last couple of years. Um, but very simply, it's one, um, I have very steady energy from the early morning until late evening when it's time to go to bed. There's no like crash or I just totally incapable of operating, which often was happening. And then the usual fix is you have some caffeine or you eat more carbohydrates so you feel like you're elated again. So that's one, steady energy. Two, anecdotally, um, I have much less of little inflammation, whether it's Achilles or lower back or sore throat or the kinds of things that I used to have quite often. It didn't really stop me from exercising, but it was something nagging here and there. So it's anecdotal, but I certainly have much less of that. And then three, um, I'm not thinking about food constantly, and it sounds kind of sad and pathetic, but um, whether I was exercising or not, um, very quickly after a meal, uh, I was thinking about what do I snack or eat next? And certainly during exercising, it it was like running or cycling from an energy gel to another energy gel, and I really don't have any of that. And I guess lastly, I've also had and taken... Um, just blood work to see what's truly happening biologically mm-hmm. in my body. And um, all my markers are have significantly improved um, anything from hormonal levels to um, blood sugar balance. And so everything seems to check very well.
0: Does it, the way you're eating now, does it um is it more in tune with the Finnish diet? Not the modern Finnish diet, but the traditional Finnish diet? I mean, I think you're you're up there north where of course you people eat more fat to stay warm, etc. cetera. I mean, I don't know the Finnish diet at all. I'm just wondering.
2: Yeah, well, I said I, I would say one big difference or reasonably big difference between my current diet and what what might be the traditional Finnish diet is I do eat much more green leafy vegetables. And given the short um summer, um you know, it's more root vegetables that fins tend to eat throughout the year. So a lot of potatoes and others, which are quite starchy. So right. um, yes, there's definitely a fair amount of meat and fat being eaten, at least in a traditional diet, but I think it's reasonably carbohydrate or very carbohydrate heavy given the, the short summer and root vegetables are the ones that you can really put into your cellar and and still eat six months or if not 10 months later.
0: So in in this training period that you're both doing now, what's a a typical day of eating? Meredith? Well,
1: I think we eat pretty differently in in some aspects. So for me, I eat volume-wise maybe 90% raw vegetables and salad, Mm -hmm. and then the rest is like salmon, nuts, olive oil, things like that. Um, so I eat very clean kind of whole food. I think calorie wise, it's pretty heavy on fats and protein. And even though I'm eating a huge volume of salad and salad materials, it's not very, uh, there aren't that many calories coming from carbohydrates.
2: Yeah. My, my diet is, it's, it's quite similar. Uh, I guess the biggest difference is Meredith is not a huge fan of, uh, beef. So I, I eat a lot of grass fed beef and and eggs and butter. Uh, mm-hmm. in addition to all the things that Meredith mentioned. Um, right. And I typically, I might have two meals a day and then some amount of snacking mm-hmm. um, in the form of nuts, macadamia, uh, sometimes unsweetened dark chocolate. Uh, so that's my typical, typical diet. Um, I guess one, one specific meal worth mentioning is neither one of us are very big on breakfast eaters. So we certainly have some, some fat, some protein, Sometimes nothing in the morning, but the traditional mantra that breakfast is the most intro- important um, meal for the day, we don't really eat big breakfast usually.
1: I think part of that's because it's extremely inconvenient to like cook in the morning. right If you're on a tight time schedule and we're usually trying to rush out the door to get a workout in or we have calls or whatever the case is. Um, but you know eating the way that we do, it's not like we're starving in the morning. We have very steady energy levels, whether we eat breakfast or not.
0: Well, that's fantastic. I mean, that's a, a, you know, it sounds like in the the modern vernacular these days, you know, more paleo type of diet. um,
1: Yeah, I think it's very much like paleo, but I, I would never describe the way we eat as paleo because it feels like a fad to me.
0: Yeah, yes, I agree. All diets are fads. Yeah. It's just we all have to find a way of eating. Right. That makes us
1: feel good. And I think everyone's kind of built differently and they should find what makes them feel the best.
0: Absolutely. And that takes trial and error. Sometimes we have to realize if we're not feeling good, it really is our our chemistry, our blood chemistry.
1: Yeah. And it's really hard to take the time to be like consistent and thorough and, and go through eliminating different things in your diet or trying new things, you know, it takes like, it takes a fair amount of time and energy to do something like that. But I think it's hugely beneficial.
0: Right. And there's help out there for people who need it. I mean, did you folks have any help from nutritionists or programs or anything like that? Or were you kind of self motivated?
2: Um, we are huge readers. And uh, we have a healthy amount of curiosity in in ourselves. I think we read a lot uh, and seek for experts um, so we didn't really sit down with the nutritionist per se. It was more like tapping into the knowledge of dozens and dozens of doctors and nutritionists along the years. Um, so it's not like we're trying to experiment and reinvent the wheel. Um, I, I'm a scientist by training. Have a, physics is my, my formal training. So I do believe in uh, trusting science and uh, we both read a lot. I think that's been a huge source of... Information philosophy.
1: Yeah, and just to say a little bit more about that, I think you know, one of the things that makes us so fired up about doing this is like, yeah, we we tell you that we're we read kind of scientific articles and we read and, and question nutrition advice a lot. Um, it's almost like a hobby for us. Like we we spend and have spent a lot of time researching what we should be putting into our bodies. And, you know, for us, if it's taken us this long, given how many hours a day that we spent looking at this stuff, it just feels like it's so out of reach for a normal person, given how things are being marketed to them and the USDA food recommendations. It's like people, I don't understand how they even have a fighting chance of knowing this.
0: Well, it sounds like you're about to embark on this expedition to bring awareness, but also to raise money. And your chosen charity, I believe, is uh, Dr. Robert Lustig's Institute for Responsible Nutrition, is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, And we are specifically raising money in a way that 100% of the donations go directly to the nonprofit. None of it in any way uh, pays our expedition or or rowing expenses. So 100% goes to the Institute for Responsible Nutrition. And we've also found sponsors to match all the donations so if you give $10 it turns into $20 immediately and we really wanted to find a credible organization with a credible team who we think has a very good chance of actually having a real impact on the way people eat and the way people are exposed to for example sugar today and we truly believe in Dr. Lustig and and the organization that he helped to found.
0: Yes, we just finished a, our show last week was an interview with Wolfram Alderson, who's the executive director of the Institute for Responsible Nutrition. And so our listeners can learn more about, about the organization that uh, Sami and Meredith are supporting by going to responsiblefoods.org. And how much do you want to raise? Do you have a goal?
2: Um we haven't set a specific goal but we are already well in six figures the amount of money that we have raised in dollars and hopefully only sky is the limit and you, everyone can still donate and every dollar is is badly needed in this fight to change the food supply uh for the better so i th- i think um uh There's still room for for donations, certainly.
1: If you want to donate, you could go to our website, www.fatchancerow.org. And there will be a place that you
0: can see to make a donation, either through PayPal or check.
1: Correct. There's a donate page, and it's very simple.
0: It's very simple, and it's very needed. They're doing a lot of great work out there. So I have a question. If you're out there in the middle of the ocean and things get tough that are beyond your control. It's the ocean. You know, it's not your skill and your your strength and your fortitude and your sisu and all of that. If you really need help, will you ask for it?
2: Well, the simple answer is yes. Our priorities for the role and expedition are very clear. Number one is our safety and long-term help. And number two is our relationship. So we plan to start as a married couple and also finish as a married couple. And then number three is um, kind of athletic goals. So we would never compromise our health or safety um, by just trying to grind it out and, and row and go faster. So absolutely, if need be, we would call for help.
0: That's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> So is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners in closing, just as a call to action for individuals to improve their health, the health of their communities through eliminating and reducing, reducing, eliminating sugar?
2: Well, I would say two things first. I would say one, it's definitely worth checking out our website about our expedition because we also explain what we think is in a very simple way why sugar is bad for you and what you might be able to do about it. So fatchangeroll.org is the website. And then two, uh, try it for yourself. Take two weeks or even just a week or month and don't use or eat any sugar and be also conscious about added sugar because most packaged foods uh, include sugar these days. So try for yourself. I think that's the best way to see what kind of benefits and health benefits you'll get for yourself.
1: Meredith? Yeah, I would echo what Sami said. Uh, A lot of our friends are committing to give up sugar while we're on the water. So in a uh, solidarity with our row, giving up sugar while we're out there on the oars, uh, eating no sugar ourselves. So that could be fun for people to do, and it helps motivate us, so...
0: And, and, and what does your dog want to say? I hear your dog in the background. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's nice he's, that he's, he's there with you. He's
1: He knows uh, something's going on, so he's trying to get involved.
0: <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> um, to learn more about Meredith and Sammy's expedition, again, please go to their website, fatchancerow.org, and donate. Support this very worthy cause that they're risking a lot for. And join their community on Facebook at Fat Chance Row. Follow them on Twitter at Fat Chance Row. Meredith Loring and Sammy Inakin, thank you for being with us on Health Currents Radio. I wish you the best of luck. I wish you safety, health, love and completion of this extraordinary expedition you're about to embark on. And I too in Solidarity, while you are away, will give up all sugar.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Thank you. That's all for our show today. I'm Ellen Goldsmith, and I want to thank our sponsor, Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic in downtown Portland, Oregon. You can find more about Pearl Natural Health at pearlnaturalhealth.com. You can always listen to Health Currents Radio and find all of our past shows at healthcurrentsradio.com please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a review while you're at it. It helps get the word out. You can find us on the mobile app Stitcher, find us on Twitter at Pearl Natural, or join the community in conversation on Facebook.com slash HealthCurrentsRadio. We want to know how you are transforming your life through your health.